What's up, everybody? Metal Dave Glessner here, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster, bringing you another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. Our guest today, two members from one of my all-time favorite bands, the Riverboat Gamblers, from right here in Austin, Texas, by way of Denton, Texas. They are celebrating the reissue of their second album, Something to Crow About. It's coming out on vinyl um, in October-ish. I think you can pre-order it online now. Uh, garageland.com, riverboatgamblers.com. You can also find the Riverboat Gamblers on their social media accounts where they're promoting the heck out of it. So you can find links to purchase it there as well. Um, what a great album. It's been one of my favorite records forever. It's been out of print on vinyl forever. Something to crow about. Uh, if you haven't heard it, it is, in my eyes and ears, a masterpiece. It's upbeat, punk rock, good time. Uh, high energy, explosive. It's melodic, catchy. The thing I love about the Gamblers is they're classified as punk rock, but they are very accessible because they never lose sense of their melody, even though they're playing at 100 miles an hour. There's hooky, catchy choruses. Uh, just a great, great album. And everything by them is great, but something to crow about, probably their pivotal record. Um, and we have Mike Weeby, vocalist Mike Weeby, and guitarist Fadi El Assad with us today to talk about the 20th anniversary reissue of Something to Crow About, as well as uh, a little bit about the gambler's history. Obviously, you're the um, the resident gambler's uh, lorist, if you will. Uh, and uh, I, I, I envy you because I don't know a whole lot about them other than I know that they reached some kind of legendary status very, you know, not long after they got to Austin. I remember uh, there was a lot of lip service about about them as uh, like it was late 90s and, and early, it would have been early 2000s, I believe. But, but I think, I, I want to say I'd heard of them before they actually were residential Austinite. Yes. Um, and so I, I want to, I want to say, uh, they probably hate this, maybe not, but the, when would you say they would have reached legendary status? Because I feel like they're a touring band. They're not afraid, they're not afraid of shit, obviously. And, yeah. uh, they're doing it for the right reasons. Would you, would you say that, uh, with their, humble successes would you call them legendary in in that that scene that description that you used yeah certainly in texas um you know the album that they're reissuing came out in 2003 something to crow about is the title and that's the album that put them on the map and uh it was originally released on gearhead records so it had some distribution uh, Gearhead had a really good roster at the time. Uh, the Dragons were on that bill. Uh, maybe Throw Rag was on that bill. They had a really good roster of sort of these real, like, garagey underground punk rock bands. Let me ask you this. I didn't. Sorry to interrupt. Let no. me ask you because I don't want this intro. I want to get to the to the interview. But yeah. I feel like maybe this record, and I don't, because I don't know, it's an innocent question. Was this after its initial release when they were, they were young when they put this shit out. So yeah. this is a reissue we're talking about. Right. Uh, after a, a hot minute, was that record all of a sudden hard to find? Or has it been, you know, out of print for a long it's, time? 
my understanding is it's been out of print on vinyl uh for 20 years now okay and okay. i don't know i don't know why it came to an end at some point uh but uh well, vinyl wasn't hot when these guys came out swinging it probably was among their audience though that's yeah, the you're thing. right you know, that's a vinyl audience yeah. um it's a great album and i just i like to tell people the first time i walked in on the riverboat gamblers they were already on stage they were already uh doing their thing i had never seen or heard of them before and I immediately was like, oh, my God, this is like watching five Angus Youngs. They were all going crazy on stage, super energetic, so entertaining. And singer Mike Weeby is known for just, you know, he'll come out in the audience. He'll run across the bar. He'll swing from the rafters. He's been injured a number of times because of this. Uh, but they are the definition of entertaining. Um, and they'll be doing some shows uh, to support the reissue of Something to Crow About. Uh, those are coming up in October and maybe there'll be some more towards the end of the year. So they're, they're back in a big way with something to crow about. I love it. I yeah. love it when uh, this happens to a band that has some tenor and some stories to tell and some scars, obviously to prove yeah. <laughs> more than so, a few. Yeah. And another thing I, uh, you mentioned, uh, in the chat that we had today, uh, that Mike had been injured and that the fan base put the money together to uh, pay his doctor bills. And I just want to say this, that is, there's only one word that's love. Yeah. That's love. That's yeah. exactly the definition of love. I don't know you, but you're going to pay my doctor bills. What? Yeah. So I just want to say there's something music, music and the art, uh, you know, it's just, it's words and sound. It's, it's wood and wire and electricity, but it's intellectual property. And when you put that shit and, uh, you know, in a bucket and throw it up in the air and everyone eats it, including you, and you thrive and you survive because of that, of just shit you made up. Yeah. Fucking magic. Yeah. The crowd magic. rallied. Yeah. He, I thought that was going to be the one to put him out of the game. He ended up with a broken rib that punctured a lung yeah. and he was, he was pretty messed up for a while, but, yeah. uh, but he's back, uh, has been back for a number of years. He's yeah. done numerous, numerous, numerous shows since then. And uh, we're just happy to have him today on the show. And we're happy to see this album reissued the 20th anniversary reissue of something to crow about Mike Weeby and Fadi El-Assad from the Riverboat Gamblers on the Talk Louder podcast. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever met you guys, but I've been hearing your names and uh, the name of your band forever. So, yeah, Jason. Jason uh, yeah. Uh, and and Jason I work with Ian, with Ian, so I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in trouble there too. So yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> your uh, your brother's a, an old friend. He's a good friend. Yeah, um, uh, my brother is a fucking badass. He's rock star. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I see him skating those bowls still. And yeah, I was like, I can't. He's he's fighting cancer and doing that. So he's he's oh. just fucking killing it. He's just yeah. a fucking uh, Viking. It's unbelievable. I would have laid down already. Yeah, yeah. I could. We could have our own. Uh, randolian barbecue mcmaster uh fucking festival right here and now yeah yeah let's do it right right anyway good to meet you guys 
Yeah, yeah, I like what. Yeah. yeah, so before we start talking about uh, the reissue of something to crow about, uh, let's uh, do a little history lesson first. You guys are originally from Denton, Texas. You two are the remaining core members of the band. Uh, you've been in Austin for uh, 20 plus, 25 plus years. Uh, almost like 18 ish. So almost 20, 18, 19. Okay, years. almost yeah. 20. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What was the impetus uh, for leaving Denton and coming to Austin? Uh, for me, it was, I, I mean, we talked about it um, for a, like about a year or two before it happened, right, Mike? I remember us talking so, about yeah. it. It, it felt, I mean, it was always awesome, but it felt a little small and suffocating after a while. There's, it was all, there's a lot of ghosts left uh, behind there and a lot of, it's uh, Austin felt like there was more here for us. Um, but I guess it's different for everyone. I don't know, Mike, how did you, what do you think? Um, I, I can easily fall into a velvet rut and I probably like would have stayed in Denton if they hadn't moved up. I was like the last guy to move up, but I'm really glad. But I always, but I loved Austin though. Austin, I just was like, I don't I move um, money. Uh, but Austin was always just the coolest at the time, like the coolest scene of like all the garage rock stuff that was going on here was like everything that we wanted to be around, you know, full time. So, and then plus also like, there's just more to do. There's just more to do to in Austin. It was so much like the film scene with like the draft house and all that stuff back when the draft house was this tiny little thing that was throwing these, you know, music Mondays weird and Wednesdays. Eric Tuesdays and weird Wednesdays and stuff like that. Like there's just so much more going on in Austin that you could kind of at the time kind of feel like you can be like this really you move down. I mean, you still can, but like you could be like a working artist kind of and just kind of like live and breathe doing stuff every single night as opposed to Denton, where if there was something going on in Denton, it was because it was a show that we were probably throwing or like our, our crew of like our our scene was like putting something together and throwing it. And it was just like kind of the idea of just getting to go do stuff that was organically happening as opposed to being the ones throwing the party all the time. That's yeah. what I kind of, uh, for not like ever, but for, you know, off and on, I would hear a, about a, a, the Denton scene and being this really cool, almost like uh, there's a house party every week that's off the hook. It was fucking yeah. hardcore. Yeah. This happened and that happened. And yeah. uh, my nephew was part of that uh he's much uh, obviously much younger but he was part of that scene over the past like probably 15 years because he's like you know gonna be 40 soon it seems like but anyway uh and i would always hear about it through him and and just friends and stuff and it's is is denton you know does it have its its moments oh yeah yeah that's yeah. what I, that's what i've been that's hearing yeah, it's yeah. We were up in the 90s especially yeah. I, I remember the 90s Denton always feels like 90s to me because of that's when we were coming up that's when i was coming up and it was uh i, I it was the best place to be like it was yeah. Yeah. uh it was, it was it's something happening all the time and house shows were, were going nuts yeah there were these uh there was a um there was a, a fake fraternity called uh the delta called delta 
because they needed a uh, they needed to be in the Greek system in the in school there in the colleges there to, to in order to get a frat house. So they called it Delta. They just said, "All right, we're Delta," and they 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 had, they rented out this house. It's called the Delta Lodge, and they had put on shows there. And then uh, our our friends lived in houses where they put on shows. Mike lived at a house where he put on shows at one point. Uh, our bassist, uh, original bassist, lived in a house that put on shows at one point. I mean, there were just house shows everywhere, and our friends had houses, yeah. and there was it was awesome. I mean, there was you could there was just people skating, skateboarding up and down the street, drinking on the streets. Uh, there was always something going on. It was it was. I mean, I don't want to. I think I spoke earlier. I don't when I said it was small and a little suffocating. I didn't mean it. Denton's always going to have a soft spot in my heart. Always. Yeah. It, it just yeah. it felt at the time when we moved here. Um, we just started picking up a little steam and uh, and Graham started booking us at Emo's a bunch. And we started playing with all these Austin bands. And it was it was it, it seemed like it was Denton, but with more. And it it, it we wanted to see what was happening uh, at the yeah. place that had. Yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the juice I was trying to get you guys to put together. It's like you yeah. were you were bringing your not to go, you know, pro on you but you were bringing your product here because it felt right and yeah you guys were and, fitting in that was the perfect um place to kind of get the chops up to be able to move down here like i don't know you know i don't if if you're like a brand new band starting out in austin at, at that time and there was so much music and stuff happening it might have been hard to get booked a lot you know you might have been able to get booked like you know once every you know couple months between like three or four clubs or whatever but in denton it was like well we're putting on all the shows and we're connected with everything and then the bands that are coming through like we're we were like you know one of the handful of bands within our genre that like we're right to peg in so we were playing all the time so we probably got a lot more, you know, live show practice hours in. Even if they were house shows, we got like more of that 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 proving ground time. By the so when we got here, we were really ready to kind of be. We had the hours to kind of be a little bit maybe more ahead of some people. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So so how uh, this record that's that's getting reissued. Um, how old were you guys when you were writing these tunes and then recording it and then, you know, and then kind of give us a, a cause I know Dave has a lot of shit to unleash upon you. I just wanted to get this kind of, kind of going uh, right now. About I just did some quick math. I, w I was 23 when we were writing it and then just turned 24 when we came down to record it. So we were still living in Benton. We came, we drove down the sweat box to do it. We did the first one here too. You did, uh, at, did you do it at Sweatbox when it was on San yeah. Jacinto there and and yeah. Street or where? Yeah, yeah, wow. It's right above the Mekong Delta, I, I think. Right there's a wow. that that Vietnamese restaurant there called Mekong Delta. I think so. Yeah, the the San Jacinto did some stuff in there, and Mike Maraconda worked out of there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think yeah. Uh, I think Rand, Randy and Randy had a band, and I had a band that were both rehearsing across the hall, down the hall from there. Yeah. Ben yeah. Burton's Ben Burton and Bobby Bobby Landgraf's place. So, and then that whole place got there was a fire. Oh, that's right, fire somewhere in the within the complex, and then all but all the all the water that they shot in like flooded and destroyed everything. Yeah, we had a practice was, space, like, yeah. Un, like behind and under, and our practice space got like all water damaged and stuff. 
Yeah. I was downtown when that happened. I remember Ooh. somebody came and got me. I was at a show and somebody said, the practice space is on fire. And I ran down, just Ooh. running down six. And I uh, got there and it had already been put out. And I, I remember like uh, trying to get, I didn't, wasn't even thinking. I was like, all our gear. And uh, I ran past one of the, the little police lines. And uh, so it was some cop like grabbed me. I was like, you can't go in there. I remember that. Yeah, my baby's in there. <laughs> yeah, my, my last Paul, you don't understand. My babies are in there. Right, right. So you uh, you put out uh, your your debut album that uh, I was showing here just a minute ago, and uh, and and Tim Kerr produced it, and yeah. uh, that that's kind of a big deal for you guys to get Tim Kerr involved at an early point in your career when. You're still kind of up and coming, not really known that well. How did Tim Kerr enter the picture? Because he also produced something to crow about, but it started with the first record, right? Yeah. How we did he come him. into your orbit? We we called, we asked everyone who, well, it felt like everybody in Austin knew him. And, and we just, we asked everybody to ask him. I was going to say, I can't really remember how we did that. <laughs> how did we do that? <laughs> I think I think it was just like you know before we moved to Austin though we were we were coming down like at least probably twice a month to like play shows and if if not twice a month to play shows and maybe even more to just hang out or to go to a yeah. show because there was because all yeah. the cool shit that we were into was coming to Austin and you know only only half of it was coming to Denton Dallas so there's always a reason to come down here anyway. So we knew a lot of people that knew him. So I think we just kind of like had enough, put it into enough people's ears to, to ask him about it, to that he, he agreed to. So the, the second album is what we're here to talk about today. Something to crow about in my book, a masterpiece of an album. Okay. And now you're reissuing it is the 20th anniversary. Is it, is this the, is it reissued on vinyl only, or is it being reissued in other formats? It, the vinyl just came out, but we're, are we doing CDs and tapes? Can we talk about that with them? We can. I don't know. Right now, we probably should. Right now, it's just vinyl. We've got the three yeah, different colors. Yeah. Stream it. We, re we remastered it, and the, the stream that's up is remastered. Yeah, so so it's uh, right now it's on vinyl, three different colors, uh, 20th anniversary, something to crow about. Um, tell me, are you are you repackaging it in any way? Are you staying true to the original packaging as far as the photos and the lyrics? Are you adding any uh, new goodies to this or what? Uh, not there's nothing really new, but we did a little bit. We we gave it a little facelift. It's uh, okay. so the cover got new font. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there's really, that's, that's about it. Everything else is the same in the insert. We wanted to kind of keep it, um, there, I think there might be a, just a little blurb from Tim in there. Um, that might be just a little extra thing, but really it's just, it, we wanted to have the, how it was just kind of like change the things that bothered us about the art and about the insert maybe, but it's really the same photos and we wanted to keep the vibe the same and just have it. Like this is the record. This is what came out 20 years ago. It's here again because it's been out of print for so long. Yeah. The no, font I'm... looked too much like Wendy's. It looked too much like the Wendy's font. <laughs> Didn't want to bring it over. That's fair. It did. It's a hot and juicy. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like think about a spicy chicken sandwich, man. I'm trying to rock it up. 
Now, on the original, Fadi, on the original, you're credited as Freddy Castro. Does that, that was the change? Yes, that change. Uh, did okay. you change that? So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Tell me about the evolution from uh, from Freddy Castro to Fadi El Assad. Oh, there wasn't much of an evolution. Um, when we first started, we all had uh, we, we called them our our porn names. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Your, your, it's it's some dumb young dude stuff. Just you pick your, you get your first pet is your first name, and your mom's maiden name is your last name. And but the thing is, Castro is not even my mom's maiden name. Uh, that was a of uh, uh, one of my grandparents' family friends, and I thought Freddie Castro sounded pretty cool, so I just used that. And after a while, we started to drop it and uh, and just use our real names. Um, so I wanted to change it because I haven't. No, it's just it's it's some weird antiquated thing from way back when, you know. Yeah, I, my That's first name. I think my first name on the first record was Tico Buller. Yeah, and occasionally one Tico Bueller. Somebody, uh, some it's uh, just like a yeah, just some dumb thing that you don't think of past <laughs> next week, year. You know, yeah. you, I mean, there was no no idea that twenty five years later. He's still going to be doing, you know, that, I don't know, you know, it just wasn't, didn't, I never considered what the, how that would be 25 years later when you're trying to build a catalog of stuff and have it all kind of interconnect. And is, uh, is Lee Ving, is Lee Ving's real name leaving? See what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Got stuck with that. I, it's kind of a joke, uh, but I love it. It's pretty fun. Yeah, oh, it's the best. yeah. It's the best. This is cool though. Like he picked, you know, the the you, you got to be real lucky to be, you know, nineteen years old and pick a cool name that you can actually live with. John Doe did, you know. John Doe managed to yeah. to pick a good one too. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. But here, the thing is, I. I, my name, people, you know, when the record came out and we, we started getting a little juice or whatever, and people started taking notice, uh, dudes would come up to me after shows and start calling me Freddie and talk to me and call me Freddie. It was just so awkward. I was like, I don't, I didn't yeah. think like, like there's no forethought. I didn't think that this thing was going to stick or this, you know, any of this was going to work. I, so it got, it was just awkward after a while. So I just, you know, kind of dropped that. Especially still, if they were still, in, the, in the, in the insert, you're still Mike. Tico Buller, we are. Oh, am Tico. I? Yeah, yeah. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, talk... I haven't. I didn't think to change it even. Well, uh, Tico, that's not bad. That that still sounds okay. good all these years later. So yeah, I think you picked one you could live with, and even Freddie Castro. I mean, it, you, you could have done yeah. you could have done worse. All right. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the songs. Um, to celebrate the reissue of this album, you did a a new video of Rattle Me Bones. Yeah. And in that video, there's clips of, you know, your past history, past gigs, et cetera, et cetera. When you're putting something like that together after all these years, what memories come back to you? Is is there one in specific or any or just sort of memories in general that come back when you look back on that that many years of history? Uh, it was a lot. I mean, I, I, I edited it and um, I so I, I pulled a, a lot of footage and was just going through. And at one point there was a, I'm glad there was, I did it a little bit late. So there was a deadline and I had to kind of like bulldoze through to get it done and just like really kind of differentiate myself from the nostalgia of the moment. But it, it was weird. I, I kind of, there was a couple of times things that I saw that made me weirdly like kind of emotional almost. Cause 
it's oh yeah. yeah it's just weird to see just to think back into the the mind of those kids <laughs> those kids that were that young doing that thing and and also the the physicality that i had back then that is like you're gonna hurt yourself i thought a number of times yeah and i did and you did yeah and we'll get to that in a minute but yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, I remember i wrote my because yeah mike i remember you asked you said send in uh, whatever old pictures and everything you got any any video or whatever and um uh, and when you sent it, when I saw it, I, I wrote the guys. I was like, I told, I think I, I wrote y'all. I said, I, yeah. I said, I'm having a lot of feelings watching this stuff because yeah. there's about now, you know, being in my, I'm, I'm middle-aged. I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm a middle-aged man now. And it's uh, <laughs> about, you know, being 22 years old and just not caring about anything but playing music. And it, it, I, I, it's, it's, I remember that guy and I remember being that guy, but it's also like a separate guy sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool to watch. Yeah. It's what they, it's what they mean when they say seems like a lifetime ago. Right. Yeah. 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 Let's go. uh, Let's do a little random track by track on the something to crow about record. Uh, We just talked a little bit about rattle me bones, but uh, what's what? Tell me, what was the inspiration behind that song? That's a great one. Everything on this album, by the way, I'd say 80% of it is still in your set list today. Is that accurate? Close? Play a lot of it, yeah. Yeah. Quite yeah. yeah. a bit of it. There you go. That tells you right That's there how sign. well stood up. Yeah. So tell me, what what's the story behind the song, What's What? Um, it just seemed like some real... I got some sassy... Texas person, I'll tell you what's what. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. I'll tell. I can't remember where I got that from. I, Dan, I, is it you know, probably like someone, someone who like I worked with at Kmart or something. I overheard them saying back like when I was in high school. Like I'll tell you what's what, and then just kind of pulling in the. I was really into the movie. Am into the movie Jaws, so it's all kind of became a a little bit of a Jaws metaphor. With I think we're going to need a bigger boat and and all the shark imagery and stuff like that yeah man that is so cool when you play that live and the whole audience says yells i think we're going to need a bigger boat that's going back to when you were a kid and you came up with that did you ever imagine you'd hear a room full of people shouting that back at you and all these years later how i didn't even know i didn't even like jaws is such like uh it's, it's it's an old movie at this point that I was like I don't know if people like this movie as much as I and but I don't even know if, you know I it might it be in the theater me and Randy sat really? in the front, front row saw it in the theater oh man when it came Bro. out yeah, it's like seventies dude we were like yeah. we were like seven years old or some shit yeah it was fucking awesome. great you know yeah. living, living in a coastal town where we we go surfing and shit you and know it's, it's yeah. Tell well, me no, about we were the... in uh, we were in Corpus Christi. Are oh, you were in Corpus? Oh, that's right. That's right. You didn't. Yeah, he moved. He lived in Santa Cruz for a while. Yeah, he he was out there for a while. Uh, that's when we out... first got to know him, actually. Yeah, he went out there in the uh, late eighties, mid mid to late. Yeah, late eighties, and stayed through the nineties, and came back, and then went back again. But yeah. we'll talk about late. that. Well, uh, the, right. um, this is your life, Rand Randolian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Tell me oh, about Sparks and what, Actually, what's what was uh, uh, kind of half written in Austin. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Mike. We were at Can's house after a show, and I had his acoustic, and I was like, I got this little riff thing, and you came, and we we're sitting down, and 
kind of going over stuff. So that was like, that was an Austin born song. Oh, wow. I don't remember that at all. That's crazy. Who's Stan Rose? He's credited in the liner notes and he says, says, what does he say? I'll tell you what, or he says, or something like that. Stan Rose says, I'll tell you what. Stan is Austin, Austin icon. He's a, he's one of the owners of the yellow jacket. Oh, okay. Yeah. And was kind of our, he was like, I don't know if he, he's the one who, one of the people who, talked to Tim Kerr for us, but he was kind of our Austin conduit. He always lived in Austin or he lived in LA too for a while, but like he was like one of the guys that like was one of our early Austin friends that kind of made Austin seem like this, you know, house of debauch, magical excitement and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about Sparks and Shots. What's the story behind that one? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. There's That's a beverage. Gone. Before Man. Four Loco, uh, there was uh, the first, the first, like, it was this malt, it was malt liquor with sweet. energy drink in it. Yeah, real sweet. And, and what was food. it called? It's called Sparks. Okay. It's called Sparks. Okay, and it's coming together that. now. I remember drinking that. Uh, again, because you know, I was like twenty or whatever it was, and we drink. We would drink Sparks, this sugary, gross malt liquor, not real beer, but and had caffeine. Had a bunch of caffeine in it. Tons of caffeine. Uh, yeah, it was horrible. And uh, but we would drink it all the time. And uh, and uh, shots were always in the, in the mix too. So uh, the song was about. It's kind of it's kind of our isn't it a little bit of our like getting fucked up like song like. That, that, yeah, you know, those type of tunes. It was one of those. Right on. The idea just kind of thought it'd be funny to to write a song about this awful liquor, and then or well, liqueur or whatever it was, this awful malt liquor. But then, like years later, we hit up the spark. We were like, we wrote this. We should see if we should get sponsored or whatever. And they're like, I think they contacted us. Oh, did they? They did. I think somebody else like somebody found it or sent it to them or they got a hold of it. Cause I remember that they, I don't think we got, we try to get in touch. With, I don't think we were that savvy. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I think they got in touch with us and wanted to do something. And they started sending us cases of this stuff. Yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't drink it fast <laughs> enough. We oh, it was in the trailer and it, and uh, it was so hot on it was one in Las Vegas. Day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, some of the cans exploded. Oh this yeah. They met us in Vegas with so much product that we couldn't like we couldn't fit all of it in our and I mean we our trailer was packed with gear and stuff and we they gave us so much that like there was just wasn't any room at some point so we were just giving out six packs of Sparks to to various homeless people in Las Vegas and I like to think that there was some sort of a insane crime wave (laughs) as we left Vegas. (laughs) Of homeless people just spinning orange tornadoes. That could have been your sparks uh, part two. Yeah, yeah. 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 like crime spikes. Sparks Again, an, sequel. Another <laughs> another uh, bit of inspiration you thought you'd never have to live with for twenty five years, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. When you do this song now, there's no the reference. There's no no one now. You know, under the age of of you know forty 
as familiar with Sparks in any way. Well, the song, I mean, the song goes over great live. You still play it and people love it. And, and that's the that's the beauty of it. You know, it's like you don't even have to know what the subject matter is. If the song is kicking your ass, it's a great song regardless. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about Ice Water. That's another fan favorite. Oh, yeah. Um, just that a happy dark. suicide song. Just, you know. <laughs> A happy suicide song. A happy suicide song. A little poppy suicide song. Um, <laughs> dark. I'm trying to even remember. You know, there's something about just trying to write stuff that was a little edgy back then or something. I thought that, that was pretty edgy material, I guess. You were, you, I think maybe were you trying starting to write kind of a little bit, like not, not personal stuff, like you're not about suicide, but about... yeah. De- whatever depression and kind of stuff like that that was probably the start of like less of a party anthem and more of like uh oh let's see if we can write about let's see if we can write something about just being depressed or something like that but trying to you know that that i think especially when you first start writing songs is you kind of taken just wild swings in a in a direction you know like just like the the very idea of like oh this is man this this guy wrote this cool band that I like has a kind of serious song. Like, how do you do that? And like, okay, I'm going to take this real big swing in that direction. So it's, it's maybe a little, I think if I were to write something like that now, it'd probably be a lot more subtle, but that's probably what makes it so cool is that even all these years later, definitely if people still like it too, but um, uh, yeah. I think that's one of the things about your music. It's like you you always, regardless of the subject matter, you have this musically, you have this very upbeat, contagious energy. Yeah. So frantic and so happy and so feel good that you don't even know what the subject matter is or unless you like study the the lyrics or whatever. But you just get wrapped up in this ball of energy and the good time of it all and and everything else just kind of goes away you know? yeah do you feel like your lyrics from back then are like the song that you write today compared to the songs on this record that's you know 20 years old ish right lyrics are you able to like still relate personally in any way or was it just some garbledy gook because you wanted to be you know you wanted to like break shit or whatever it was you know yeah i think like that would have to do with your age and now that you're not that age anymore it's kind of you know yeah it's i think that a lot of it's some of the same like thematically but it was at that age, it's you're coming at it from much more of a blunt kind of, you know, your your filter is different. Yeah, absolutely, the filter is different. But a lot of the, you know, a lot of that stuff of like either wanting to party or wanting to, you know, be angry about because a lot of the songs are kind of being about angry about this, that, or the other. It's the same thematically, you know, yeah. it's just kind of through a, a different filter and maybe trying to refine the language or refine the, 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 the actual thing you're angry about. Because I think, I think there's a lot of stuff about that age uh, and just kind of being, 
lost and angry and not really knowing why because it was just I was just too young to have figured it out and too immature to have figured it out because I even though I was like mid 20s I was I was still real immature <laughs> and some of us still are yeah. yeah well yeah and I'm not saying that I, yeah Let's do one more song and then we'll jump ahead to a couple of last questions. Uh, I got to ask you about Lottie Mae because it's the one that sort of it ends the album. It's the one song that is sonically different than all the rest. It's almost a an old saloon Western flavored, you know, cowboy song or something like that. Tell me about that one. I, I want to. That's because I remember when, uh, after recording it, it wasn't how. There's something I was like, it doesn't sound, doesn't feel the way I wanted it to sound. And so it's, and we went track by track and trying to do this and trying to do that. Um, and what I, at, at one moment I told uh, Tim and Brian, Brian Nelson was engineering, um, just drenched the whole thing in reverb, like the, like the entire song, not by track, uh, you know, not by individual track, but by the, the the entire song just the drenches mix. The, the mix, the mix. Yeah. Yeah, exactly the mix the whole mix and that that was what i was looking for it was like this it, it was um that like uh like uh sleepwalk uh yeah. there's there right there's that 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 yeah. spooky you know, 50s vibe to it that, that like, surf, tiny surf rock stuff yeah that yeah, too, yeah. That, and that's that, that's what i that, that's when it finally came alive to me is when we just drenched the whole thing and kind of uh, tweaked the EQ a little bit, but just, I'm talking about drenched it in, in reverb. And that's when I was like, this is it. This is what it, this is what it should sound like. That was the one. So where did yeah. the lyrics come from on that one, Mike? Uh, it's a, it's totally entirely, uh, well, not entirely, but mostly about uh, a Harry Cruz book called Feast of Snakes about living in a small uh the books about people that live in this like college football tiny tiny little i don't know if it's texas but tiny little south town where there's a big rattlesnake roundup and um and i i, I just i i connected with it so much because it was like a very much like this is an adult book for for intelligent people but it's brutal and just gnarly and fucked up and uh and something about like something about the small town aspect of it, this small town that kind of exists to to uh, feed the lives of ex football players. You know, this it exists. It, it felt there's something Denton that it kind of connected with a little bit um, and, and growing up in a in a small alienated in a small town. And it's just super, you know, it was just such like a, a brutal I, it blew me away. I didn't know. I, I I didn't even know that there were books like that. I think that was the first. Like I, I had never read like Cormac McCarthy or or um, I'm trying to think of who else. But you know that 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 was kind of like my entree into that kind of Southern Gothic fucked up literature. Um, and it just blew me away so much at the time that I would, it just, it thematically felt perfect with the music that Fadi had written. Yeah. And it makes a great closer to the record. And if I'm not mistaken, last time I saw you, you played it live. So that yeah. one also lives yeah. on. So, um, Mike, tell me, we got to ask you, um, I was there at South by Southwest when you punctured a lung. 
Yeah. It's not the first of your long list of injuries. So yeah, but probably um, the worst, probably the worst. And the cool thing is people should know this. What I thought was amazing was that I don't know how the word went out, but your fans basically rallied up the money yeah. and, and paid uh, for your medical bills, either yeah, all it or most of it or whatever. But it was, yeah. it was a, an incredible outpouring of support yeah. uh, to help take care of you after that injury. Yeah, it definitely saved my financial life for sure. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know what I'd be doing if I, that hadn't happened. So for people that haven't seen you, I mean, you're you're known for swinging from the rafters. You run across the bar. You stand on tabletops. You're you're very um, physical, and 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 you've because of it, you've had a number of injuries. Um, was I was curious to know: Have you ever walked when you're touring? Do you ever walk into a venue for the first time and kind of scout it during sound check, going? Okay, what can I climb on here? Because uh, yeah. around your hometown venues, you're familiar with the place. But do you ever walk into a place in a strange city and go, "Okay, how am I going to put on a show tonight? What's there to hang off of or climb on?" I think I used to a lot more. Now I'm I'm not. I mean, I still get physical when it when I'm feeling it. There's never. I mean, the main thing is like I never really planned anything out. It was always just kind of like I'm feeling. I see a thing, I'm going to do it. I feel like it, you know, and I never really, which is probably explains a lot of the injury stuff because I never really had any kind of a, a plan or any, you know, there's, there's with any of that stuff, I never was like, I'm going to do this on this. I mean, sometimes I'll be like, maybe I'll go out with Lottie May. Like a lot of times I like to go out into the crowd and kind of, cause it's so ballady. It's fun yeah. to kind of go out in there and do that. But for any of that other stuff, like jumping on speakers or jumping off stuff, I've, there's not usually much of like a, and on this cue, we do this. It's just something that I was feeling or not feeling at the time. So, um, I, I mean, I'll notice how, I'll notice how tall and definitely now I'll notice like, yeah, this is a real fucking tall stage now, but, um, and that'll enter my mind a little bit more, but I never really, I never like made plans of like song four. It's off of the, it's off of the amp or whatever, or anything Chore, like chore, that. choreography. Yeah, that yeah. didn't. Yeah. And I don't have, I don't have no story. Sand story out and, yeah. <laughs> Tell stunt, me guys, what do you double. think I could get for this on eBay? Oh, for those who, uh, are, like, those who are listening like, and not watching, I'm holding up. Uh, this is the very first thing you ever released, isn't it? Yeah, yes. it, might, yeah. it might cost yeah. you more to ship it than you'll get for it on eBay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is a 45 of Jenna is a no-show and... Mean Motor Machine? Mean Motor right? Machine, correct, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. And yeah, I got to say... 98-ish, 99? 98, uh, 99, somewhere around there. Somewhere in there, yeah. And I remember yeah. the first time I got, I saw you guys, I walked into Beerland and you were already on stage and I saw you and my mind was blown. And I was like, who are these guys? And you were still living in Denton at the time. And somebody told me there's they're a band from Denton. They're called the Riverboat Gamblers. And so I made a point to come see you every time you were back in town. And then when you moved to town, I'm like, all right, they're local now. They're going to be playing all the time. And I went out to every gig I could and I still do. Um, so speaking of gigs, any plans to celebrate the reissue of something to crow about? Are we playing this in its entirety? Are, are you playing some shows at least so people can come out and buy it at the merch booth? What's next? 
October 14th in Austin at Hotel Vegas. I don't know if we should announce that yet, but whatever. Well, I just said it. So this episode, won't, this episode uh, won't air for a little while. So you're going to yeah, it out before it's then. Fine. Right. No one's going to sue us. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah, a string of shows. Yeah, fourteenth, uh, October fourteenth, and um, we're working on uh, quite a few other ones. Um, you know, out of town, out of state. Uh, but yeah, the idea is to do crow shows. Crow shows. Yeah. So yeah. Where, where can people buy the album in the meantime if they can't make it to one of your gigs to buy it off the merch stand? Uh, where can they get it online? Gambler Thanks. is it Gamblers Forever Forever Gamblers dot com. Uh, are just our our website, or you mean like the merch? Yeah, our, our website, yeah, riverboatgamblers.com. Our website, no, our, our, did you did we get a new one? Because last time we were just the riverboatgamblers.com. Professional band it, at work. Yeah. Oh, hang on. It's the <laughs> That's riverboat it, riverboatgamblers.com. But if you go to Gamblers Forever Forever Gamblers, it'll take you to the merch store. But you can get to the merch store through the thing. I, we're not good at this, clearly. We didn't get into this for business. I got well, it. People, at the very I least, people get can, it. I know how to get it. You did great. Yeah. At the but, very least, people can follow your social media stuff and yeah. you're posting and, and promoting oh, it. Totally. Totally. So, so the label, yeah. the label yeah. that reissued this, that put it out, do they have like a, a band camp or do they have a merch store that people can also get it through? Or is it specifically band site? It's band. We, we put it out ourselves. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's and good. We help, got help with a, with a, with a, group called cobra side helped us put it all together yeah ian mentioned that and that that sounds like a good move just to help get it get it up and out yeah yeah, yeah. we're not businessmen well let me ask you guys this uh when, when you go to shows and there's bands doing a record because this is the thing i'm always thinking about do you want to hear the when you want to hear a record from front to back in order or do you do you like it if it's split up within a set we play all the songs, but it's within a set. For me, uh, I think part of the here's the here's the journalism in me using a, a word I just made up. The specialness of, of of playing an album in its entirety is hearing it in sequence from start to finish. Sequence from start to finish. Um, I'd be happy the other way. Don't get me wrong, but if I had my preference, I would want to hear the album in its entirety and then close the show with a, you know, sprinkle yeah. some other stuff. I, I might be a little too, little too close to the question because I was going to say the opposite. That it, <laughs> oh, yeah. it doesn't matter. You know? yeah. and, and I think too, I, I'll say this about specifically about something to crow about. There's a reason that's one of my favorite records and it is because of the sequencing of it. The flow of that thing is such a good time. I would hate for it to be interrupted, even though if it's interrupted by another gambler song, it's going to be another great song. Yeah. If I was, if, if you were telling me that you were going to play that album in its entirety, my preference would be to hear it from start to finish. That yeah. sounds like a good piece of candy for a fan that's been, you know, you guys following you guys around for so long and had, you know, was into that when it came out that yeah, you know, have this new upgraded issue. That would be fun. I get it. I get that. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. something to grow about 20th anniversary reissue on vinyl. You can find it online. Just look up riverboatgamblers.com or find the Riverboat Gamblers on social media and look for uh, they're promoting it there. And some shows, a show or some shows coming up in October. You can uh, look for that album at the band's merch booth. I'm stoked that it's being re reissued. What what a what a treat. When I heard that thing was coming out, I was like, yes. 
I've been waiting for this for a long, long time because it's a great album. Uh, you're one of my favorite bands. I've said it to Jason and I've said it to anyone who listen. You're the best live band on the planet. And I mean that with all uh, due respect to all my other friends that are in bands. Oh, so go see him. Go buy the album. We thank you for being here on behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with our special guest today, Fadi El-Assad and Mike Weeby from the Riverboat Gamblers on the Talk Louder podcast. Hey. Thank you.